HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. It's September, and as the days get shorter and temperatures cooler, it's time to go back to school. This week on Meet and 3, we're looking at how lunchtime is changing from elementary schools through college, whether classes are remote or in person. While there was some information about where families could access food, it was spread out on many different websites. I'm seeing people, you know, advocate for, like, going back into school and... A main reason is, you know, food insecurity, like kids go to school and they get fed. And I'm just, that's a whole other thing of like, fight for kids to be fed versus like going to school. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. It's great to have you on the show today, Chef Alem. Should I, no, should I call you Alem or Chef Lemaire? <laughs> Which do you think? Yeah. Alan is good. Alan is good. Okay. Alan is good. All right. Welcome to the show. Um, it's, it's good to have you on. Um, and for those that, that don't know, Chef, Chef Alan, I'm calling you Chef Alan. <laughs> Alan is um, it's a Haitian chef native of Port-au-Prince, um, but based in South Florida. And we first met, actually, I don't think you know when we first met. I first met you at um, a New York Africa restaurant week, maybe a couple of years ago, three, four, maybe even five years ago. I don't even know. It was an event where I didn't come up to you, but um, you... you Oh, when I was cooking with Nadej? What was that? When I was cooking with Chef Nadej? Yeah, I think it was a couple. It wasn't just you. Yeah, it was another chef or two. Um, And I remember like... I was like, oh, this is so good. It's too bad he's based in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first experience with you. And then um, was it last year that we did uh, um, we did Africa Restaurant Week again where we were on a panel on uh, mental health? In yes. Food industry. Yeah, so that's when I actually met you. And I have to say, I wish 
there was a recording of that conversation because there were some powerful, powerful stories shared, especially from you, I thought. And so. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. I think I have some recordings of it. Yeah, I think you were the only one that had the foresight to have people <laughs> recordings of that. Because um, I think it was a powerful conversation that, that would have been excellent to, to be able to share um, to a broader audience. Anyway, so that's my connection with Chef Alain. I thought I wanted to, um, I wanted to have him on because of his vast experience. And then I also wanted to start to think about the connection of African food to places like Haiti, the Caribbean, um, and just wanted to bring that a little bit more into the podcast. So you're the first like person who's not directly from the continent, but has a connection to the continent with your food. With oh, your, wow. Yeah, with your food and culture. So um, That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have you on. So I wanted to start first with, you know, I've shared a little bit about my experience with you, but if you want to share with the audience, um, who are you, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about what it's like to grow up in Haiti, any early memories of food, um, who, were, who were you when you were younger? <laughs> okay, uh, uh, so I grew up in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, um, we're a family of four, uh, I have one, one brother and... Um, my, grew up in a family, a Christian family household. Um, I was very active in sports. I was always interested in experimenting things, and I never liked to be closed. And I always was thinking outside of the box. And I think that's one of the things also that kind of helped me throughout my career in the culinary arts field. Um, yeah, fun, energetic, always laughing, enjoying life, yeah. sports and stuff like that. And, you know, once I tasted a little bit in cooking, then from that point on, I never stopped. You know, I've always tried to perfect what I was doing was when I was growing up, even though I was getting some backlash, you know, from friends, families was like, oh, what are you doing in the kitchen? Because back then, um, men were not considered to be in the kitchen. Yeah, isn't so, that interesting in terms of our culture that men? It's yes. Funny. I find that a lot of um, yes women expect us to be more in the kitchen, but now that you know, in terms of professional cooking, we find a lot more men doing that. Yes. Yeah, I mean the the, the industry um, has been white male dominated. Uh, for a while, mm-hmm. and now that um, people are seeing more and more what it is, uh, because because nobody thought it was a career back then, so now that they see it differently, and we see more diversities in the in the kitchen, diversity as far as the background, gender, and all that stuff, you know. So I, I feel that we've progressed, but we still have some more work to do. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's interesting to see, especially in this moment, um, you know, what started as probably more of a police brutality conversation has sort of evolved into this whole idea of diversity in different spaces and how people show up or allowed to show up or allowed to be in the room where, um, where they can actually make, make a living. So it's, it's been interesting for me to watch um, across the board. Um, so 
you sort of got started getting interested in food. How did you get, how did you go from having an interest in becoming a career to starting um, your catering company, Sensory Delights? Wow. Um, okay. So when I was growing up, um, my mom used to do these cooking classes. She used to assist at the church. And during the summertime, she would just drag me along. And, you know, I just watch how the, there was this enthusiasm going on. This, it was, it looked like it was fun. It was fun. It was live. So I was like, you know what? I want to know why everybody is happy and what's in it. Plus, I love food too. So that's how I started and started cooking by myself at home. Um, burned a few pots, you know, um, messed a few dishes. And right after that, when it was time for me to decide what I wanted to do with my life, where I wanted to, what career I wanted to go to. But growing up in Haiti, um, most careers were considered either being a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a nurse. And if it wasn't one of those, then you were not really doing something successful. And it was kind of a shock for everybody that I decided to go into that route. And, and I decided to go into the route without any inspiration, without anybody that I knew that was already doing it. There, was, um, there were probably black chefs or Haitian. I did not know um, any of them. You know, it was not portrayed on social media or anything like that. Social media was not even existent at the time. And so that's what I decided to do. And when I came here to the United States, I attended college. Um, and during the college, that's when I really realized what the field was all about, which made me love it even more. And, you know, I would say after working in the industry for about 10 years, 10, 13 years, between 10 and 13 years, then when we decided, you know, to venture on our own and opening our own catering company to express really what we are about, the food that we want to showcase, the feel that we want to give our clients and stuff like that. That's interesting that um, in college, did you, t- did you take culinary classes in college or? Yes. Oh, yes, interesting. I went. So I went to, uh, when, I, when, I, when I permanently moved to the United States, uh, one of my friends, she was attending Johnson Wells University and she was attending to, a, um, I forgot, I think she was in hospitality mm. and, she knew I went, and she knew I had an interest in food. And she's like, listen, um, the school has a culinary program. Why don't you come and visit to see if that's something that you want to do? So I listened to her. I visited the school. And then as soon as I walked through the doors and I saw the classrooms, I said, no, there's no need to keep going on a tour. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Awesome. Wow. Yes. That's so interesting. That's College, that's that's early, but but it sounds like you knew very clearly early on, sort of clearly what you wanted to do. Um, so in terms of the catering company itself, can you share what um, what kinds of food you do? Because if people go on your website right now, they just or even on on social media, they're just gonna salivate over all of that food. It looks <laughs> amazing. It looks like 
Thank this you. Thank one you. of those things you wish, okay, like we're done with the lockdown so you could go try this because this it looks really, really, and I've tried it so I know that it not only looks good but it tastes really good as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, the well, type of cuisine I would say would be um, modern Caribbean. Um, we, we try to take what we grew up on um, and food from other countries in the Caribbean and elevate them. Um, you know, most of, our, most of our food from the Caribbean and even from Africa are more like one-pop dishes, mm. chews, and things like that. Um, so we want to take them from that stage to bring them to the next level where they can be featured and fine dining and all that stuff. So that's that was the idea behind the company, and that's what the name the name uh, represents. Also, sensory delight. So we want to delight all your senses. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> delight yeah. for all the senses. Yeah. Um, so it's not, not just the yeah, not just the food, not just the taste, but also the. The visual, the smell, yeah, like that. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because the the plating, the serving styles, the different, you know, serving containers and stuff you use, it, it's just all very visually pleasing too. Um, I I did have a question for you about the international cuisines that you offer. So I saw on your website. I spent a lot of time on your website. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> I saw on your website that you also do international cuisines like nigerian or indian especially for weddings right yes. um, and i wonder like what um how you how you you know because i understand the modern caribbean piece because you know that's sort of your background and you can add like your modern twist based on your culinary um training but then in terms of cuisines like indian or nigerian that you do for weddings how do you you know, I don't know if you, you, I will give examples of like a goosey or even Nigerian rice. How do you, yes. how, where did you learn how to make that or how do you make that for, especially, I, I mean, this is not a knock on my Nigerian friends, but I just, I will, I will, I will probably guess that they can be very um, picky about their food, especially in a yes. wedding context. So yes, it's, yes, uh, it's yes. interesting to me that you offer that, and I wonder what their feedback is, or even where you learn how to make that. So um, some of the, um, I would say this, Nigerian was one of the things that I was not really too familiar with mm-hmm. um, at one point. Uh, Indian cuisine, you know, they do teach you these, even the basics in culinary school, um, the other cuisines, you know, uh, and that's why I feel also there needs to be more um, more classes about ethnic cuisines, mm-hmm. uh, especially cuisines from, uh, from Africa. Um, I, uh, I don't know if they have that now, but I do hope they start doing that soon. Um, but Nigerian cuisine, how did it end up started? Um, we, we got a request from a couple that was getting married. So I had to go and do my research and how did I do my research? So I just started going to different Nigerian restaurants and started ordering <laughs> food and eating. <laughs> and looking through YouTube and stuff like that and worked for the last, I did like two or three months where, where we practiced all the dishes until we felt that we were there comfortably. Uh, the good thing also is that they wanted something 
not too traditional, mm, okay. but something that represented also their culture and also where they were living, you know, in the United States. So they wanted that to mesh a little bit. So that's why we had a chance to do it. Um, I'll say that the the dishes are very interesting. Um, <laughs> some of the ingredients that they use um, that pretty much opened up my um, my eyes on the on the different style of cuisines. I had a chance to go to Kenya last year also, so I had a chance to try and talk to the locals and experience the food there. So I, I'm not gonna claim that I can do. 100% traditional of those dishes, but you know, we can definitely create some great dishes and things that people will enjoy and uh, bring that order. Um, and that's where the, the fusion comes in, also. So we kind of have that little tweak going on to just raise the eyebrows and uh, make people yeah. be like, oh, that's different. Yeah, I know it's excellent. I don't think I've come across like, um, uh, a catering company quite like this that does the you know this fusion of this kind and and I think it shows because I also saw on your website that you won like a, the wedding wire like couples choice award several years in a row which is yes which is tough to win because wedding couples and I've been through <laughs> my own wedding so I know we can be we can be very picky <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that that is a testament in and of itself because I'm sure like just by virtue of the different varieties that you offer and then the cuisines that you offer are also flavor packed and the way you present them and all that. So like I, it's a, it's, um, uh, I hope you're able to expand nationwide because it's, yes, it's hopefully, a, yeah, it's a yes, really, hopefully we do, uh, we do travel. Um, we do travel. So uh, we've done weddings in different cities throughout okay. the United States, also. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. For, for when the when the country opens up again. Yes, that's definitely. Um, so we're gonna switch gears really quickly and talk about uh, Cathode Kitchen. <laughs> so you yes. were a competitor in Cathode Kitchen, uh, a competition show on the Food Network. You wanna share a little bit about your experience on on the show? Yes. Yes, the um, being at Cutthroat Kitchen was a very interesting experience. Um, like, I do know that some of the shows are gimmicky or some things are like set up, but this experience was like really, really about your skills to adapt yourself to certain situations. And um, it was thrilling, exciting, and nerve-wracking all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we, and depending on how long you stay on the show, um, we were there from 7 in the morning till 8 p.m. that night. Oh my goodness. And, uh, and did yeah, they, film, because, they film the, the different rounds all on the same day? Yes, yeah, same day. So that's why it was so long, because after each round, so you have to stop. Somebody get home, somebody goes home, and then, you know, um, you this clean up the room, reset everything, restock for whatever the next challenge is going to be, and then you go back in. And then, the, the, obviously, you know, you do have breaks for uh, snacks or eating, stuff like that. So it was a great experience. Um, it was tough 
but it's something that I really enjoy because it helped me push myself to certain limits that I didn't know I could have. Yeah, and you went, you went all the way up to the final round, right? Yes, I did. Yes, got to the final round. Unfortunately, I came in second, but pretty satisfied with my performance. Yeah, that's a good, yes. that's a good outcome for everybody. And then um, I think based on that, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, based on that, your experience there, you started, you created a cooking battle show in Haiti with a slightly similar concept, right? It's funny. It's so funny that we we did the show, um, we created the show before oh. uh, before I went to Cutthroat, right? Um, I had a friend who he had that concept in his head and he was like, hey man, so this is what I want to do and I want you to jump in and to help us out because of your experience as a chef and stuff like that. And I said, you know, yeah, definitely. Um, and then we did the first season. Um, after doing the cutthroat, I it helped me also open my eyes more and getting more knowledge of what's going on and what to do. So it helped us out in the long run yeah. afterwards because I was able to use that experience because while I'm while I was in the show, while I was there, I was paying attention to a lot of things, not just the cooking, what I was doing, but also, you know, everything that was going on. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, this is certain things that we can apply also with what we're doing and stuff like that. So um, although we started, the, the concept is not new. Mm-hmm. You know, the concept is pretty much, you know, the same concept as chop, cutthroat, and all those other cooking competitions. Uh, but we wanted to bring something to, to the young talents that were in Haiti because, um, you know, they don't get exposures. They don't, get enough opportunities like everybody else. So we wanted to bring something to them so we can put them out to the public. You know, people, people knew some of the, the guys that, um, that already have made a name for themselves, but the up and coming ones, it's hard to get your name out there or to get the, expo- the exposure that you need. So we wanted to create something just like that to give back. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. And one of the things, I, I don't think we mentioned the show, but for those who um, are listening, it's the, sh- the cooking show in, in Haiti is called Le Chef. Um, yes. And one of the things that I liked, really liked about it is that it's open to like all experience levels, right? So you can be yes. a professional chef or you can be an amateur chef, yes. sort of open, and then you come in and you show your skill sets based on... It was surprising. We had, an, we had a home cook, an amateur chef, she made it all the way to the semifinals. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I that think shows, yeah. So that's what we wanted to portray to show that hey, you don't have to really be a professional to be skilled. Like, yeah. but you know, because the the cooking seg- the cooking segment or the competition segment is totally different than operating a restaurant or a catering company. You know. Um, Whereas for a restaurant or a catering company, you need more experience, you need more knowledge. But when it comes down to just straight cooking, you don't have to have all these experiences. Yeah. So. yeah. No, that's great. I, 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 um, I, I, I like that concept quite a bit. Um, and so 
one of the things I also wanted to talk about, kind of related to the cooking show and you know, what I mentioned earlier in terms of how we first met was around this idea of mental health, especially for um, food, food service workers. Um, so when you think about cut, you know, cutthroat kitchen, and then there's shows called like Hell's Kitchen and Kitchen Nightmares, all of it yes. sort of suggests this extreme nature, you know, being in in a in a kitchen, and yes. you almost sort of wonder then um, the sort of pressure it puts on people. And I should have looked this up before we started talking, but when we did that panel, I remember I shared some statistics about. Um, mental health um in 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 the professional services industry how bad it was and then just generally by extrapolating that it's probably worse um in the in communities of color because we don't report it as much and so it's probably not captured in in the data um and you mm-hmm. had some really powerful things to say and share and so i thought we could touch on that a little bit um especially now that you, you with with covid and all of the extreme extra pressure it brings I think it's an even more compelling topic. Yes, yes, it is. Um, it's a lot of pressure. Um, we do get a lot of pressure. We, we have to, it's, it's constant competition, but not competition at the same time. Um, you do, it's, it's almost as, I'm not saying it's almost, it is as any career where Everything evolves every day. There's a new technology, there are new trends, new techniques, and everything like that. So you do have to keep up with that. Um, it's the demands, you know, the demand and the time frame that you have to deliver that demand is very short. So it's 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 like a pressure cooker, I would say. Um, you know, and if you don't know how to manage it well. At one point, it can just explode. Yeah, and, and I remember, and I think you also shared personal stories, but I remember from reading um, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain's book about how just that pressure pushes people to, you know, alcohol and drugs and just yes, yes. Um, yes. downwards. Um, it can yeah, be... Yeah. People, people try to find ways to cope with the pressure, with the pain, and some people, they go... Um, to alcohol, to drink, to uh, drugs, or some people um, have even went the route for um, taking their lives, and uh, some people get depressed, and some people are like, you know what, I can't keep doing this anymore, and they just walk away from the whole industry as um, so they don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, it's it's very straining on the mind and the body. And anybody that is in it for a long time, I really commend them. <laughs> so then, how do you how do you um, take care of yourself? How do you make sure that you know, in spite of all the especially since you own your own business, because I can imagine the pressure of just being the person that works in the kitchen and you know, chef, you're being told to do X, Y, Z, and it's yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. But then in this case, you're, you're the chef and you also own it. So you're also aware of like the margins, right? Which are not that great. Yes. Um, you know, thinking of orders that are making sure you have a full order book. Um, you need to do marketing and, you know, all of the stuff that. Yeah, so you're yes. not just like cooking. You're essentially running a business too. Yes, definitely. Um, it's funny. 
and it's something that constantly I have to remind certain people that are around me, you know, my family also, it's like, you know, hey, you guys, only thing you see is what you, on social media, right. you only see the beautiful place, you only see, you know, the great events, but you don't see everything else that goes behind the scene, you know, and it, I, I would say that I think I am blessed that I have a great team mm-hmm. that I have. Um, my business partner, she's amazing also. And that um, I think that our, our chemistry in the kitchen for events is amazing. And that's what keeps us also sane. Um, but like you said, it is tough. It is very, very tough um, being, you know, not only that you're just receiving orders, oh yeah, you're doing this, like you said, but it's also that you have to make sure that every other aspects mm-hmm. are um, taken care of. Like I, I'll be honest, there are days that I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm mentally drained, yeah. you know, and I, I just want to take this time off and just relax. And I feel that this is some of the things that needs to be done every now and then take a time off you know disconnect yourself um do not talk to clients do not answer emails just relax um take some take take a breather so you can um reboost yourself to get back on track um i uh, sometimes i just you, you get to that point where you're like man you don't know what's gonna happen in the next weeks What's going to happen in the next month or year? Yeah. All you have to do is just keep, um, keep pushing what you're doing. Um, you know, market, market your product, market your services um, through any avenues. You know, um, I'm the social media guy also. Well, social media guy, the website guy for our company. So I have to make sure that, you know, we have content. Um, always updating our website to make sure that it's streamlined so that when somebody visits, they can get exactly what they need. They can answer their questions. Um, what else? Yeah. So on top of it also jet handling the food, uh, managing the cooking staff and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I was I, just, I was gonna say I have to commend you for for that because in my just in my limited interaction with you, I guess um, from when we so I was the moderator for the panel we talked about. So I was the one we yes. to the different speakers on the panel, getting their input, you know, with some of the questions I wanted to frame, and even with reaching out to you for the podcast, I I get a sense of like you're very detailed and organized because as soon as I send out a request nine times for the for the panel you were the first person to always respond thoughtful responses you have your bio ready a picture you just drop stuff and so just from that alone i can tell you have you have your stuff organized enough that um you can respond quickly to i'm sure it's media requests and all of that stuff and so i i can only imagine then that how that translates to client service and then your food service um so that's been impressive for me in terms of my interactions with you so if if it seems overwhelming you're you're doing something right at least (laughs) 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 so um and then just to wrap up before we go on the break uh quickly so in terms of just trying to survive and all of that 
I think we can't uh, leave without talking about COVID-19 and especially with you being in Florida and Florida being such a hotspot right now. Ooh, yes. Your business and then like what, what um, ways are you, you know, what, how are you surviving during this time? Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, we are here. Hot spot down here. And it's, <laughs> it's so crazy that uh, somebody requested me for next weekend to New York and I was like, man, there are restrictions for us to travel to certain states and we have to lock ourselves in for a certain amount of days. So with coronavirus, it's really affecting my travel abilities to certain states because now I, I, some of the contracts, I have to decline them because certain states, they, have, they put regulations for people traveling from those states that have the highest cases and Florida is one of them. Um, in terms of our our services um, down here, we've we've had a few weddings and big parties that had to be postponed. Um, some of them had to be postponed for this year, and um, we do have service. We do provide services now, but they are like you know ten, fifteen. 20 people, like the most we did one time was 40. But every, since then, the shutdown, everything's been 2, 10, 15 people. So it has significantly, significantly um, decreased or what we, the numbers we've been doing for the last few years. But at the same time, I can't complain because I know a lot of people who don't even have the opportunity to do one game. And then we get to do several ones. I believe they're small, but we'll take them over everything. Yeah. Are you also, because um, I know there's a lot of people pivoting to it. And I interviewed someone last week who, who also does um, sort of dining, pop, dine out pop-up situations. And she's now doing uh, takeout, like package takeout stuff. In yes, yes. Do you have to do that too? or? Yes, yes, yes. We actually, yeah, we do. We have certain products that we do um, and we, we vacuum seal them and those who need to be frozen, we freeze them and we ship them to anybody, to anywhere they are in the United States. Um, we also do um, drop-offs you know, or takeouts. People can order something from us and we can either do a curbside delivery or curbside pickup, contactless. Um, so we, we, we just make sure that we still continue to practice all the guidelines that they have in, instilled for safety. Um, what else? We do the small, the, the, like I said, the small pop-up, the small, not yeah. pop-up, but somebody's doing, celebrating their anniversary or their birthday or anything like that, and they want to do something really small. And we provide that also to them. Um, certain things we just come, we set up and we leave. Um, some of them we provide the entire service for them. And uh, we're just using these different avenues yeah. so we can stay afloat. Yeah, live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I think this is a great point to take a, a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about Haitian food, <laughs> which I'm yes. excited about Haitian food and culture. Um, and yeah, so we'll give people an education on yes to have a patient food. So we'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency Tart Cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency Tart Cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com. Okay, so we are back from from the break, um, and now we're going to talk food or more food, but specifically Haitian food. Um, so like yes. I mentioned earlier, Haitian history and culture. So even the food then will draw influences from French and Western African traditions and also Caribbean ingredients. Um, so why don't you start to, to tell us a little bit about um, Haitian food, like the staple food. So, you know, what are the main foods? Because I'm sure there's a whole bunch, but what are the main foods that people should know coming, you know, if okay. they said Haiti or you're going to a Haitian restaurant, what are the staples that people know about? Yeah. Um, our food is very, very, um, very rich and very um, flavorful. Um, and it also varies by regions, depending mm-hmm. on where you go in Haiti. There are certain things that are very, um, I would say, they, that you can tell they're from certain regions, you know. Um, there's, but um, if, you, if you're looking for like, you know, the, oh, these are like the dishes that most people would recognize as Haitian dishes, you know, we have a, one of the things that's very, very, very um, significant to Asian cuisine is our black mushroom rice. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a John Jones called John Jones. It's a mushroom. Yeah, it's a dried. It's a black mushroom that is grown in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And um, they dry it, and then you just use it to to make a broth to cook the rice. We can do sauces out of it. And over the last few years, a lot of different chefs have used it to do other other things uh, besides just the rice, besides just the sauce, um, grind it to make to make like a seasoning with it or to make pasta, all those type of things. And that's where also the modern side of the cuisine comes in also. Um, what other dishes? We have um, some, uh, our street food also. Yeah. We have that fried pork. Um, the way they do it is pretty much it's a pork shoulders that that is cut up and then they cook it they braise it in um sour orange some vinegar salt um some habanero peppers mm. and then once it's cooled you deep fry it so the outside is golden and crispy but the inside is still juicy oh my gosh. yes and then um we're big on stews also we have um chicken or chicken stews but we do we are the 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 chicken that we do have in Haiti is similar to the guinea fowl. Okay, right? it's, yeah. it's a yes, yeah, it's, it's a more tough. 
um, and stuff like that. So that's the one that the traditional chicken that we use back home. Um, we do uh, we we are big in seafood also. Mm-hmm. Red snapper, uh, kingfish. Um, we do have an abundance of tuna around mm-hmm. also. Uh, be, they don't use it often because once they cut it and they see that the flesh is red, so they have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> but we do have we do have an abundance of it, and it's funny that I found out about that probably three years ago. And I was like, are you serious? We do have an abundance of tuna. So, and we just, well, what we did was we just bought them from the fishermen, whatever we needed them. And we had the fresh tuna that we use. And to my surprise, I found out that also that um, there are companies from the U.S., from, from China, from Japan, from Dominican Republic, they come to the ocean in Haiti and then they fish for the seafood that we have. And, oh, but unfortunately, I, I, there's no, there are no regulations. There are no, nothing to yeah, stop them from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they, 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 they keep scratching the floor. So it's uh-huh. killing the, our side of the ocean also. Yeah. Um, but we do have a lot of octopus, you know, mm-hmm. all, and we're big also on conch. We, Grill it, uh, make it with and the tomato sauce. Tomato sauce is uh, one of the staple sauces that we have in Haiti. It's called Creole sauce, mm-hmm. so it's tomato based. Um, and you know they use it for anything: for chicken, beef, pork, seafood, you name it. Um, Haitians are big on eating their food with sauce. Yeah, it sounds very West African to me. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's yes, oh, that's yeah. the big influence that we have also from from motherland. Yeah, where a lot of the stuff that we do are influenced like that. We um, even breadfruit that you mash. Um, I know that in West Africa they do it the same thing too with the breadfruit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of um, the root vegetables were big on root vegetables as well. And like I said, stews, you know, stews yeah. for everything, you know, vegetables, meat, um, even seafood stews. So yeah. it's all tied up with that. And then there's also the techniques, some of the techniques from France, because, you know, we were a French colony at one point. So there's that French um, influence also, that Spanish influence as well. Um, and or along the years, a lot of people from the, the Middle East or people from Israel, they migrated to Haiti. And Haiti gave them a safe haven, um, especially for some of the Jews that had to run away from the Holocaust. So we gave them um, Haitian citizenship. So they were allowed to have the Haitian passport and seek asylum in Haiti. And they brought their cultures and their cuisines with them as well. And they became part also of what we call now our culture. So we're like a big melting pot. Yeah. Right. So if, if we want to say really, really traditional Haitian cuisine, if we're going to go down to the people that were there before Mr. Um, Columbus came in, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, 
root vegetables, um, grains. Those were the things that were really abundant at the time. That's why people were eating. You know, um, we had the, um, I don't know if I'm saying the words right in, in English, but I know them in French only. We had the Tainos, the Arawaks. Those were the people that were there first. So they were the ones, they were big on, you know, um, root vegetables, like, um, how do you say manioc in English? Yeah, cassava, cassava, manioc. Cassava, yes, cassava. I know, remember my French, yay. <laughs> <laughs> we had to study uh, French because um, we were surrounded by, so you know I'm from Ghana, we were surrounded yes. by Togo, Beni, and Burkina Faso. So we yes, yes. school, but I, I, I don't remember. Like if I hear French a little bit, and it's slow. I can probably pick up some words, but okay, okay. I've forgotten yeah. Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these are the these are where um a lot of the food got yeah. influenced, and you know um. One of the but, I read about, uh, which which you didn't mention yet, is um something called soup jumu. Uh, soup jumu, yes. Uh, okay, so soup jumu is pretty much called freedom soup okay right? so why is it called freedom soup it's because um during during the um the time of when french was uh, the colony time when french was occupying haiti mm -hmm. um the french owners the slave masters they used to do pumpkin soup pumpkin bis back in the days right so it was a considered a delicacy for them so the slaves were not allowed to have any of it. Okay. So now, once we got our freedom and we declared ourselves independent, and the Independence Day was January 1st, every January 1st, this is what every Haitian around the world eats for the whole day. Sweet. Pumpkin soup. Soup jumu. You know, we do it. It's 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 a Sunday, it's a Sunday staple. Also, people have it on Sunday mornings mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But on January first, every Haitian around the world they just can't wait so they can celebrate. You, if you go to any Haitian household on January first, you will see a huge pot of <laughs> sujumu that is getting ready. Okay. And I mean. Because everybody does it some uh, different ways, as have different variations and stuff like that. But the pumpkin is always okay. um, the the main ingredient, um, and we use a specific type of pumpkin. Also, we use the calabasa. Mm -hmm. um, so you go there, and I mean, what some people do, and I've done it in the past. I stop by different friends' houses and grab <laughs> it all from everybody. <laughs> so you have all the different types and people and it's it's it it it, it, it happens it still happens now when you know this household made some this other household made some i send you some of mine you send me some of yours and so forth and people just share it and then we eat it with um yeah. with a bread Way that we do our bread so um and we we eat it with the bread um i would say that the main ingredients in it would be of course the pumpkin 
the vegetables, uh, we do add some root vegetables, some uh, turnips, potatoes, carrots, celery. Um, some people add pasta to it, either like uh, penne or vermicelli or stuff like that. I think these the pasta was added along the years when people started adding fillers to it. But traditional, traditional pumpkins, uh, soup jumeau, um, with some type of meat, either some beef or chicken, and then the vegetables. And then, of course, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it also falls under the category of one pot dish. So it's you just yeah, boil the pumpkin, sounds- blend, and then add the vegetables and stuff in it. Just- that sounds so good. Like that's Hades on my list of places to go visit for the longest. Yes. And I can't. Especially now, I can't just wait to go and be on a beach somewhere and like <laughs> real yes. food and uh and rum. I think I'm sure you guys have rum. rum. Yes, <laughs> yes. We actually have one. Um, actually, Forbes dropped a list of the top seven rums to try now, and um, our rum is on the list also. Oh yeah, yeah. So yes. that's my my dream vacation right now. Yes. And rum you'll notice that there are two types of rums. There are there's the rum R-U-M and there's rum R-H-U-M. So the difference is the rum R-H-U-M is made out of pure sugarcane. Oh. Yes. And that's most of the rums in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Like the some of some of the other rums, they're made with the molasses that are made from the sugarcane, but the the Caribbean rums are mostly made with the pure sugarcane, just depress it, and that's how they ferment to make the rums out of. I'm so good right now. <laughs> um, great. I think you made a little hungry now. Like, <laughs> ready to jump on a plane to go to Haiti or find a local Haiti place to support. Right. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Um, before actually, I wanted to ask. I don't know if yeah, we have a few more minutes. Um. So a lot has happened in Haiti <laughs> over the last you know, several years. And I thought, you know, one of your, any final thoughts on or anything you want to share about Haiti, any um, myths or misconceptions that people have that you'd like to demystify or anything you want to share about Haiti in general? Ah, yes, <laughs> actually, yes. And I think it's a, it's a misconception that goes even for um countries in Africa or certain countries in other parts of the world, uh, a lot of people have a misconception that um, we are living, we're still living in tents and huts. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Somebody the other day asked in a group, said that her son was asking, oh, do people in Haiti dress with banana leaves? Yeah. And I was like, well, first of all, you're you're responsible for not educating your kid enough to know that that's not the case. You know, people still feel that we do. We we're. I mean, it's a discussion that goes, like I said, for any African country or countries with predominantly black people, um, that we are still living in the cage ages, or that we're uneducated, or we don't have um, electricity. We don't have access to, to you know, um, internet or stuff like that. 
and those are like misinformation pretty much pretty much misinformation um i'm not going to claim that we're one of the most advanced countries in the world but we're we're not primitives yes <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. No, yes we do we do have certain areas where people don't have access to certain things um which is some one of the biggest things that we have in countries under development but for the majority of the part we're educated we have access to things we travel um <laughs> you know um we we have careers um you know we we have beautiful culture we have great food um we have a lot to offer also to everybody and a lot of our countries are touristic spots hot spots for people to visit and experience something different yeah i agree wholeheartedly 100% um great okay so before we transition to our rapid fire can you let people know where they can find you online social media website yes um can find um us on sensorydelights.net that's our website on social media we're sensory delights catering our chef le maire and yeah those are our main areas that you can find us we're also on twitter facebook everything is pretty much the same throughout okay so i will include that in the show notes so people can just click link um click the link okay. and follow you guys on on those uh, sites as well um just get ready don't be don't be hungry when you go in the pages <laughs> <laughs> those pictures are going to make you uh, go a little bit too crazy okay so our rapid fire questions very quickly yes um, so what's your preference sweet or salty salty wine or rum Ooh. rum Caribbean rum uh, yes. coffee or tea coffee are you a morning person or night person night and then if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life what would that be ooh <laughs> ah. short ribs ooh ooh yes <laughs> Fall off the bone, sure is. Yes. Um, and then lastly, what's your favorite, I guess I would say, I usually say African restaurant, but Haitian restaurant, Caribbean restaurant, um, anywhere in the world, outside of your own business? <laughs> oh. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I would say my favorite would have to be, it's a restaurant in Haiti. And it's called Le Petit Coeur. It's called? Le Petit Coeur. Okay. Pretty much translate as the, the small spot. The small, yeah, I was going to say small spot. Cool. All right, so that's it. That was easy. Um, thank you so much for your time. I learned so much. And it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Like I Same say, here. I learned so much from me about Haitian food and culture and and I think the work you do, I respect the work you do a lot. I think it's incredible. It's sharing our culture with the rest of the world. And so. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and good luck with, you know, the season. I know it's tough, but hopefully we'll come through on the other side. Uh, Definitely. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me.
Yeah, no, this was great. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item 13 Podcast. Item 13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.